that love of God is love. He is here right now. And his desire is to fill us anew right now. Whether we're in this room, in this sanctuary, or joining online, the Holy Spirit is there with you to fill you anew and afresh. To re revive, revive that life overflowing, the love overflowing, life overflowing. So just receive, just drink, drink of that living water, living love, living life, that life, Zoe life, the life of God. He loves us, yes, when, even when we miss it, He loved us, loves us. But our desire, we love Him, we want to obey Him, we want to listen to Him, we want to do His direction, His bidding. That's what our desire is. And we know that will bring reviving in the church as we as individuals do it, then corporately. We say, Lord, send revival, but then we also can say, Lord, I step into revival. I make those decisions that revive me and then affect those around me. And we know that this nation, the United States of America, needs awakening to God. We need an awakening to God, to the ways of God, because the ways of God are the ways of life. And so we, we pray this morning that the church may be strong and founded upon you and walking as the glorious church, the triumphant church here in this land. And that our lights will shine so brightly in the midst of darkness that awakening will come. Awakening is restored. Awakening to God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you for that awakening. In Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. So we receive that now. We receive it, Lord. We receive it. Pastor Dean, I'm going to have you just walk, come, just keep walking right on up here now. We pray, we pray, we pray for the United States of America, Lord. We pray. We pray for awakening in the church, or reviving in the church and awakening in the nation. Awakening to God and to the things of God. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord Jesus.
Hallelujah. Amen. You believe that? Let's believe together for that. Well, Pastor Dean's getting situated. I think we will go ahead with our... Shirley has an announcement here. I think you can use that. You're tall. You're good and tall, so you can use that. And... Uh, that one? Okay, thank you. I'd like to thank you, Steve and Joyce, for giving me some time to talk with you about a class that I'm going to be teaching on the Constitution. Um, it's called Constitution Alive. About five years ago, I left this church, I left Bemidji, and I left the state and went to Colorado, the Karis Bible College. Spent two years there, got my minister's license, and then I got to do a third year. I could pick from many things, worship arts, many things, but they had a practical government class, and I thought, my, that's really interesting, because I thought, erroneously, that there was a separation between church and state. And that's one of the things that this class will talk about, in addition to so many other things that we hear about. <clears throat> so we learned from many of our speakers that there was no separation between church and state. That was one of the, our freedoms. It's scriptural. Genesis 1.28 says, God said to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. Luke 19.13 says, do business until I come. That's when the landowner gave three people some coins, one ten, one five, and one one. And he expected them to occupy, not sit and do nothing, but occupy while he was gone. In other words, multiply. We are supposed to take, take charge of our government. So I'm offering this class six times. It'll be on Tuesday nights, 6.30 to 8.30. And there's more information about that class out on the desk. <clears throat> I have a flyer. I'll show you what it looks like. It's done by David Barton and Rick Green. Now, David Barton was one of our instructors at school, and you might know him, you might know of him. He's called the Historian of America, and Rick Green started the Patriot Academy, which some of you younger people might know something about. So just very quickly, pick up one of these. The class is $25. You'll receive materials. There's six videos. Uh, David Barton will do half of it, Rick Green will do half of it, and the interesting thing is the Rick Green part is done in Constitution Hall in Philadelphia. So it's very exciting. So please just go ahead and do that, and, and my contact information is on there. So if you would just go ahead and sign up, or at least find out about it. Thanks. Just a few announcements here also. Um, Carla Mandrell is going to be interviewed on Q107 tomorrow at 1230. We want to let you know about that. So that will be on Q107. She shares her testimony. It's a very interesting testimony of the Lord's help in her life, overcoming some things. And uh, So that's 1230 tomorrow. And then here's one I need to read the next 
four weeks actually. Uh, we have a brief meeting after church on Sunday, March 14, to confirm the deed transferals of two TCC properties to buyers. The properties were given to us by the late Kelly Gilman over 16 years ago, and according to Minnesota law, a congregation's affirmation is needed for the property deed transferals. If you have any questions on that, you could talk to Andrew Erholtz. Uh, He's on top of that and knows more about it. But we'll have that right after the service on March 14. And also this Wednesday we'll be having our touch point again. And then we do have a special offering that we're receiving here for a few weeks. And that's for lights, for the sanctuary here, for the live streaming, and also for plays and dramas and so forth. If you'd like to give toward that, just indicate lights, just put lights uh, with the information. And I believe that's all of those. But then a, just a blessed life moment here before we pray over our tithes and offerings. There's a story about an old man who was retiring as president of a local bank. And the board gave the job, the new job of president, to a much younger vice president of the bank. The young man went to the older man's office before his last day and asked him very sincerely, what is the key to success in leading a bank? The old man thought and finally replied, good decisions. Okay, said the young man, how do you make good decisions? And the older man thoughtfully but simply replied, experience. The young man was still not satisfied, so he probed once more. And how do you get experience? The old man answered frankly, bad decisions. <laughs> and we can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from bad decisions. Um, and that, that is true in regard to finances, too. You know, many of us have made wrong decisions concerning finances. And a lot of times we maybe haven't lined up with what the Word of God says about our finances, you know, in giving and such. But we can learn. We won't be, and I'll tell on them this morning. Is that okay? Can I tell on you? This morning, Pastor Dean was shaving, and there, his shaver got clogged up with shavings from his beard and so he went to take get it out of there and he sliced his thumb I don't know if you can see it but there's a band-aid on his thumb on his left hand and so it was bleeding and everything he got it taped up and put a band-aid on it and, and then he thought well I'm going to try it from a different angle so he took his other hand <laughs> and he did this <laughs> So he did the same thing. So he's going to learn from his mistakes. He's not going to do that again. He's not going to do it again. He should, you should have learned from your first one, but it's better. <laughs> but he won't be doing it again. The thing is, God's grace is there, and we can learn. That's how we learn to be good givers. 
is by making those decisions and going according to the Word of God. Amen? And so, Lord, we do. We pray over our tithes and offerings. We, we thank you that we, can, we have your Word that tells us about giving, talks about tithes and offerings unto you. And, Lord, we would be givers from a heart that's pure and cheerful. And we thank you that we can also be receivers so that in turn we can give again. We can be, learn to give and to receive. And we do this all in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, Pastor Dean. Amen. Wasn't my fault. Let's let's thank the Lord for the word of God today. Father, I thank you that you have granted us a living and enduring word that remains the same through all generations. It's the foundation of our life, leads us to real faith in Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we are born of the word and the living word, Jesus Christ. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so today, I'm going to ask you to honestly examine your life. And this often, this is where transformation begins, is by identifying and then coming to grips with some issues in our life and then taking things to God and the, the process begins. And, you know, I, you look back over your life and it's an amazing thing what God has done. I gave my life to the Lord in 1972, and I'm so thankful for such a transformation I've seen in the inner man, in my attitudes, in in my purposes. And he, he has done things that only he can do. And so we're looking at some things today that uh, if we open our heart, I believe he can help us or he can help us help others that may be dealing with some of these things. So we need to take responsibility for our decisions and actions. And, you know, there's no condemnation in the Lord. God's desire is that we rise to a stronger place and position in life. And so if some things are highlighted, God's purpose is not that we feel condemned and useless and hopeless. He wants to lift us to a higher place. In the past couple of months, Pastor Steve and I have talked a little bit about the issue of stability in Christian life. And back in the 80s, we, you know, I would meet with other pastors and things. And one of the things that we talked about was church hopping. And there were people that would come and get all excited about the church and fellowship and the word. And then in a few months, they're gone and they're in another church. And then a few months are gone, and then another church. And no depth, no root. And so God desires for us to have a root system that goes down deep in him, but also down deep in fellowship of the local church. This is is where life comes from. 
You know, Paul said that the local church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. And so we learn to hear from another. We learn to submit to one another. We learn to deal with our issues. We learn to forgive. Amen. Not to judge. And so God desires for us to be rooted in a local church. But it also shows up some of these things in stability and employment. Jumping from employer to employer. Even in marriages. We find people moving from marriage to marriage in very destructive patterns. And so God's clear desire is that we learn to have lifelong commitments. And, you know, it doesn't mean we never make a change, but it does mean that when we hear from God that this is where we're to be, this is the relationships we are to come into, that we allow it to go down deep within us, and it's not an easy thing just to pull up stakes and do something else. There are many reasons that there can be unsettled patterns in our life. One of the major ones, I believe, is that it's patterned before us by parents. And so how you live before your children is really a big influence on how their perspective on life is. If they see that church attendance is op optional, if they see that church commitment is optional, that's built into them. Deep-hearted deep wounds, or deep heart wounds that we've all had to overcome, God heals them so we can give ourselves again. If we've been wounded and bruised in a very deep way, it's hard to really give ourselves again like we had before. Injustices. They can cause some of these deep wounds. Rejection. You know, we give ourselves and then we're rejected. You know, Jesus came in to Jerusalem and he wept over the city. Oh, how, how I've longed to embrace you and take you in my arms, but you would not. They rejected him. And you could tell that it, it did affect Jesus. It did work, you know. He loved the people and it's not easy to be rejected. So let's go to Matthew 13, 20 and I'm going to use just this one encounter from the parable of the sower this morning. 20 and 21. The one on whom seed was sown on rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself but is only temporary. So he has no firm, deep root in himself. There was enough soil there for the seed to take, to start to take some root, but it, it could not go down deep. It could not get seeded properly. And this is the picture. Uh, so many times people receive it with joy. Amen. 
I went to churches and been called there to be pastor. And there's a certain group of people that are like, whoa, this is so wonderful. In six months, it wasn't so wonderful. <laughs> and it's just interesting that these are the things that show up in lives, you know, over and over again in different people. And, you know, seen it in Canada, seen it here in Minnesota. And Jesus is wanting to work to bring stability to your life where you can really bear fruit, where you can really let those roots go down deep into God's love, into the flow of his spirit. And you personally can begin to bear fruit from your life in making disciples. Amen. The translator Wiest gives us this idea. Sown upon shallow ground there where the rock layers were near the surface. This man is the one who hears the word and immediately with joy receives it. And how often it is when we just hear a doctrine of, that God gives us of hope and of life and of love and prosperity and yet does not have rootage in himself, but is by nature a temporizer. I read that, I read that word, temporizer. I don't know if I've ever heard that before. He's a temporizer. And not only are these things that he does, but there's something within him. He is a temporizer. the translation you read before, but is only temporary. This man is only temporary. Here, we he is a temporizer. And so Jesus is talking about by nature, the natural way that one responds and acts. And so Jesus is identifying this in human personalities. And Jesus wants to transform us. And it's interesting, this word means to act or speak in order to gain time, to avoid an argument or postpone a decision. So my definition here of a temporizer, one who hears the truth agrees, but there is no depth of surrender to God. I will try it for a bit, and then I'll see. Putting the call of God on hold, holding back a portion of life in reserve, this condition is ripe for the enemy to move in and destroy the seed that was sown. And so it comes down to a total depth of surrender to God, all in for him. Not, okay, well, I'll try it for a little bit. That usually doesn't work out. When God calls us, we say yes, we surrender our life. We, we make sure we know it's the voice of God. We're, we're sure that this is the action he has called us to take, the position that we're called to stand in. And once we have it absolutely resolved that this is God's voice to me, we take our stand and we're immovable. 
And so what happens is that people don't really trust God with the future. It's only by the Spirit of God and the faith that he brings to us that we can trust God with our future. We don't know. You know, we don't know what will come when we follow him. But by faith we know my life is safe in his hands. Let's say that together. My life is safe in his hands. One more time. My life is safe in his hands. And so uh, again, someone that is a temporizer is unwilling to let go of control of his life. They're just so deep that he'll let go. But really the bottom line, the bottom thing is that I am going to have charge. And that is an open door for the devil to come in and to, you know, bring about difficulty, hard times. We get hooked up with a boss that isn't nice like we think he should be. Somebody in church starts, you know, the relationship kind of winds up being stressful rather than us working through it and the growing together many people just leave and these things crop up time after time after time and God wants us to have real stability and to have the roots go down deep in our lives so that we can bear fruit amen let me just give a couple of things here about the word of God Philemon 1.6, the Apostle Paul says, and I pray that the participation in and sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ Jesus and unto his glory. Well, this is fellowship. This is our living together as we participate in faith together, as we share our faith. What God has made real to us, it promotes full recognition, understanding, precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in Christ. And that can go on and on and on until we see him face to face, the wealth of what God has given us in Jesus Christ, what he has provided for us, will go on until we see him. Hallelujah. And we can, we need to be prepared. You know, I was praying and I caught this understanding of Jesus or of the Father or the work of the Spirit. And we can share that in our conversations and it builds up, it builds up, it builds up. And so these are the things that God has, Jesus has done for us, what he's provided for us. And many times we call them promises, but they're really facts. This is what Jesus has done. In 2 Peter 1.3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us every, 
thing pertain to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who are called by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. And then for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith. And he goes on. But here we, we see that these promises are things, he says, if you will do this, I will do this. So that's a promise, isn't it? If you act on these commands, then I will do this. And so we, we have the great things that Jesus has just done for us that we can walk into and believe. And then we have the areas that Jesus says, now I need you to apply yourself to this, and then this will be the result. And both of these have faith involved with them. We hear what Jesus has done. We put our faith and acceptance in that. We, we agree that God's word and his directions to us are true. And faith comes into our heart to step out and begin to applying. And then the third thing here is that the personal door that he opens for us to live our lives. As we seek him, as we lay our life out before him, our life work. He has a faith that he puts into our heart, a grace for us to stand in that. Our path of education. He calls us, he opens doors, he provides. Church life. Wow, God plants us together. He opens the door for us to serve. Spouses. Praise God. God's plan is that we be cemented together until we see him face to face. As we seek him, these open doors become a faith-building word from God to us, implanted in our spirit by the Holy Spirit. These things become a faith building word from God as he moves us in a certain direction. Something happens in our heart. I remember in the early 80s, I went and was looking to have papers with the Assemblies of God. And I went to Minneapolis and all these pastors of these very large churches were sitting in front of me. And I was standing there, you know, and I'm in myself, I'm a little bit shy. <laughs> But they asked me, one of the, how do you know that you're called? And so I, it took me aback. I hadn't heard a word from heaven. I hadn't heard an audible voice. All I could say was, well, I preach five times a week. It was a natural thing to preach. Sometimes five, six, seven times a week. You know, and God just puts these desires in our heart, but they become a faith-building voice that establishes us as we receive what he's done. Amen.
As we contemplate this faith moving within us, we commit our plans to the Lord. We obey and step through these open doors of the Spirit. At the proper time, we enter into God's design for our life. And now we stand immovable, fully convinced that we are in the will of God. Hallelujah. Through the good, the bad, the mistakes, the you know, all the things that accompany our lives, the call of God remains steadfast and secure. He helps us. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Once again, let's read Matthew 13, 20. The one on whom seed is sown on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And so we all have testing points to our conviction, to what God has dropped within us. God's call does not take a vacation. Amen. Amen. We're looking to make disciples for Jesus. And it's interesting, an affliction or persecution arises because of the word. And so we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but there's a development, there's a word that's being implanted and the enemy comes and he tries to remove that. He tries to cause us to back down from the call. Well, let's not give the devil that power in our life. What we do for God is eternal. Isn't that marvelous? It's eternal. All eternity, there will be people that will sing the praises of God because we obeyed our commission. That's worth the effort. Let's go to Psalm 1. And I just want to look a little bit here at this position before God. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers. You know, if we're fellowshipping with people that are scoffers, that's like the devil. Did God really say? Bringing natural reasoning to bear on our call, on our purposes, on our life, or just toward the word of God, or, you know, one that I heard, I've heard a lot through the years. Well, if, uh, if everyone's healed, how does anyone ever die? Well, that's not the point. God wants us to fulfill the number of our days. We don't want to sit in the seat of scoffers. I just take the natural reasoning view of life. 
and have it discount the mighty promises and the mighty word of God. He says in verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. This word delight, the root idea, is to incline. Our heart inclines to God's word. Our thoughts, our desires, and attention and meditation naturally, joyfully drift towards God's thoughts. We're on an incline. Amen. And so in the darkness of the night, in the late night hours, we're just when there's peace and there's quietness, we're at rest with God. Wow, isn't it marvelous that our heart will incline to him? We begin to pray and praise. We begin to meditate on the word. They naturally, joyfully drift toward God's thoughts. Amen. I remember my grandmother would pick blueberries and she'd come home and she always had a scarf around her head and, and but she'd get out the washboard and put a towel over it and begin to roll the berries over the <laughs> over the board and it would pick out all the leaves and all the little things there when we incline our, when our heart is inclined to God we're meditating upon him and we're just allowing those, him to bring cleansing to our life in the quietness of our secret time with him. And then this word has also to do with some, uh, uplift joyfully. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Amen. To enter into this position of day and night meditation, we need to be at rest in the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for me. If we are unsettled, live with unresolved issues of hurt, wounds, unforgiveness, these are boiling within us. These will be opposed to the inner peace in our life where God is free just to transform and make our lives new. And then listen, he says in verse 3, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Wow, this is the setup that God has for your life. To bring you to union with the streams of life that come from him and what you put your hands to bears fruit, eternal fruit. The Apostle Paul says, what is our crown of rejoicing when he comes again? He says, is it not you? The fruit of my ministry in your life is what I'm going to rejoice in. We can have that. We serve, we love, we give. And somehow God keeps track of the fruit 
of our labor as it develops others to be more like Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hard to change papers when you've got band-aids on your fingers. That's interesting. Stability. And going back to the temporizer thought, Robinson states stability like a tree. Here the man has a mushroom growth and only endures for a while. So God is wanting there to be a tree that is deeply rooted in our life. And if we're if we don't bring ourselves to full surrender to Jesus, there'll only be like a mushroom growth that's so easily broken up and crushed. Amen. God desires that we live where he has planted us, bear fruit in those relationships, not be uprooted by shallow issues that would come against our emotions or natural mind. Philippians 1.9 And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development and knowledge in all keen insight that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value. This great work of the love of God working within us to make us like him, but also just to stand in the knowledge that I am loved perfectly from heaven. It works to, in our discernment, helps us to approve and prize what is excellent. You may need someone to walk you through true surrender if these patterns of life have a consistency in your experience where you get excited and you're thrilled and God has opened the door and this is, wow, this is it. Six months later, you're on to something else. God wants you to be stable and he's given you a body to help you. Isn't that marvelous? There's been times I've needed someone in the body to help me. That's not condemnation. That's like, well, I don't have accusation and I don't have enough faith. No, it's healing. It's healing. A lot of times it's just healing. We need to be healed. And someone needs to love us and accept us and walk us through restoration. A couple days ago, Pastor Steve sent me this text as we had talked about stability. Proverbs 10, 25. When the storm is over, there is nothing left of the wicked. Good people firm on their rock foundation, aren't even phased. We aim at this foundation. We put our feet down on this foundation. 
may not be easy on our flesh, but our spirit responds when we trust in Jesus completely. And finally, let me just give you a couple of things here that I think will really help us. And the first one we know of, we need to sow into life is to forgive. The Amplified Bible, what Jesus said, if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. That transaction is that we have life in us. I don't think it's like we'll be forgiven. If we don't do this, we'll lose eternal life. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. But you'll be forgiven. Your heart will be clear. Your future will be clear. Heaven will be opened up. If you forgive people their trespasses and they amplified the reckless and willful acts, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Wow, that's a great exchange, isn't it? My petty disagreements for God's blessing and an open heaven? Wow, that's a great thing. Sowing into life. The second thing, mercy. The Passion Translation, how satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy. For tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. This is sowing and reaping. I have mercy on somebody that doesn't deserve it. Well, what, what do I get back? I get mercy shown toward me. That's a great exchange, isn't it? Demonstrate tender mercy or tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. These are steps to allow the roots of God to go down deep within us, not to allow surface petty things to block us in relationship to the depth and the wealth of God's kingdom and his love. How deep, how wide is the love that the Father has for us? It goes beyond all measure. Am I going to allow these superficial things to block the wealth, the mountain of that love? Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure you use, it will be measured to you again. The way that you judge, you will be judged. And so if I have a critical, judgmental attitude to others, if, I, if I'm just constantly seeing their missteps, and I'm embracing that in my heart, judge not so that you will not be judged. We can see things that are out of place in people's lives. In 1 John, it says we ask 
that God would grant them life. We ask. We don't allow ourselves to get a bitter, critical attitude. We say, Father, this is what I see. Father, this is what I'm beholding. Father, I ask that you would forgive them, that you would lead them into a right standing with you. Judge not so that you'll not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure you use, it will be measured to you again. And so you look at how people respond to you, if people are really hard toward you and critical. Well, look at your life. Have you been hardline with them? Or is mercy reigning? Hallelujah. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night until we embrace the word of God, the life of God, the kingdom of God. We embrace it and say, yes, you're right, Lord. This is the highest truth. This is the highest wisdom. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does... He prospers. Amen. Amen. In whatever he does, he, he prospers. And so is God's kingdom rules over us. And we, do, we come into agreement with him and we surrender completely to him and his way. Maybe that's something today that's been an issue in your life. I need to hold back a little bit so I can be safe. I need to hold back something in, away from complete surrender to Jesus Christ so that I have some sort of safety net, so I have some sort of control over my life. The Spirit of God is here today to enable you to lay it down, to fully commit your way to him. If you need to ask for forgiveness that you haven't trusted him, just simply say, Father, forgive me for not trusting you. Cleanse me. Make me whole. If there have been, as we've been talking, if there are wounds and hurts that have pierced you deeply in your spirit, release it to God. Say, here it is, Father. They have wounded me, and I'm judging this right. They have wounded me. But I choose to forgive. I release them to you. I ask you to bless for, bless for. I ask you to bless them and prosper them. Fill them with your life. Open their heart for revelation and understanding in your kingdom. Sometimes people do things that are plotted against us. You, know, you read
read David's Psalms, he's constantly mentioning that they're plotting against me. Jesus, they plotted against him. Paul, they plotted against him. We're on enemy territory. And so if people, if you come across family members or just at work or hopefully not in fellowship, but if you've come across these things, forgive. Father, forgive them. As Jesus said, they don't even know what they're doing. Ask the Lord to heap his blessings upon them and lead them to life everlasting. And then commit your life into the hands of Jesus. Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. We can do that by the power of God. And we can step out of the darkness and we can step into the high life with him. So, Father, if there has been instability in any of our lives, in different areas, we thank that you're working to heal and deliver us and to transform the core nature of our being that we may stand before you and we may be real, real disciple-makers by your glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Did you have something? Of the heart of the message over us here now as we go. Pastor Dean. I didn't hear you. you Just pray to... a prayer of, from the heart of that message over us here now. Okay, let's just lift our hands to the Lord. And as we do this, this is a surrender. I surrender. Father, we surrender now to your love, to your perfect plan, your perfect design for my life, for my family, for this congregation. I thank you, Lord. That we will not be forgot the word. <laughs> temporizers. We will not be temporizers that hold back a portion and see how it goes. We're all in for you, Father, today. We're all in to your call, to your place, to your purpose. We're all in, Lord. Your design for us is perfect, Lord. Your path for us is perfect. And by faith, we launch in wholeheartedly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are overcomers through Jesus Christ. And we all said, Amen. Hallelujah. Lord bless you.